Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. So let's start first with the breaking news here this morning. We expect a bill in the B.C. legislature on fast-tracking foreign-trained professionals into British Columbia. We know we've got this labor shortage here in yeah. B.C. quite acute, and the government has signaled that they were going to do this. It's coming down this morning. Let's listen to David Eby speaking about this recently, and I'll get your thoughts. I have talked to too many people with incredible skills that we know we need that haven't been able to do the work that they want to do, and they're working in some other area where they're less satisfied, they're making less money, and it's not helping build the kind of province we want. We've heard a lot about foreign-trained doctors, but now we're talking about a much wider range of professions. Oh, yeah, all sorts of professions uh, where people get trained in overseas or different countries and then cannot practice their profession once they move to Canada. The proverbial cab driver who's trained to be an engineer engineer or something, or a doctor. So it's not just doctors and nurses, which we focused on, obviously. Um, and the family doctor crisis has sort of heightened awareness of that issue. But now we're talking all sorts of professions. Thousands of people will be affected by this legislation. Introduced um, really moments from now. Uh, David Eby having a news conference at uh, 10.30 this morning here at the legislature to give o- over the details. Uh, so this is the third meaty piece of legislation in the fall session, which is not usually associated with the fall sitting. It's usually the spring where you see this major piece of legislation. Mm-hmm. This one's coming in. And I think the origins of this bill go back many years. I, my understanding, it goes back to the B.C. Liberals were looking at, at, at uh, drafting this, updating the, the system that allows, prevents basically people from who got earned degrees and education overseas. From teachers. Practice, teachers. Yeah biologists, all sorts of science professions. Yeah. Um, again, runs the gamut. Many professions cover this. Probably, I'm guessing, probably two dozen different <clears throat> fields of work will be covered by this to allow the people, as we're basically immigrating in B.C., about 130,000 people a year are coming in from other countries, um, allow them to work in the fields in which they're educated because we need those workers. Okay, obviously they have to make sure that there's an equivalency regime put in so if you have Mm -hmm. if you're certified if you're trained let's say in the philippines or something like that as a teacher or some other professional does that mean that you meet the standards of british columbia so that's that's where this thing gets gets complicated well yeah and there's also these professional regulatory colleges that govern these professions which i think up until recently have been a bit of a roadblock to getting something well long waiting lists actually get like an write an exam to get certified yeah and that that we've talked to i mean uh, david eb had an event uh, last week a week before we're talking to nurses and others who are trained overseas just talking about the long process and cumbersome process in fact an intimidating process to many people to actually get through this to be able to practice their profession. So presumably the act today is going to streamline the process um, and it'll make it easier for people to move relatively quickly into the professions in which they're trained to, to practice. It's one of those ones that sort of gives me a little deja vu because every time I hear this, I go, how long have we been heard about these yeah. you know, people who are even American-trained doctors mm-hmm. that have trouble getting into BC? Like I spoke to a guy whose wife was a doctor and she went to a big... Yeah. University in the United States, and she was having trouble getting oh, certified. We got doctors from Ireland. Yeah. Know, there's a lot of Canadians go to go to medical school in Dublin, and then can't mm. practice in Canada. Oh. So this is, uh, and a lot of this is the federal government uh, is a partner in some of these roadblocks, and uh, work has been done, particularly on doctors and nurses, 
in recent times to expedite the ability of them to to practice their craft. And now it's being extended to other professions that sort yeah. of fly below the radar. Right. Okay. So we're looking for that this morning. That's coming down here very shortly in the BC legislature. Let me ask you about the, the crackdown on Airbnb. This is yeah. another, speaking of the meaty bills that's coming from the government here. So the, the crackdown, David Eby had said Airbnb is out of control. It's absolutely exploded in the number of places that are rented out on Airbnb. We want to free these places up so that people who actually live here can rent them long-term instead. Now, I just spoke to Maria Recruit. She is the president of the Short-Term Rental Association of Canada. And she says, look, this is not fair to the poor Airbnb operators. Here's what you had to say to me, then I'll get your thoughts. It's wrong. It's wrong anywhere in the world. Because the only reason people have gone into short-term rentals is because of the laws that are governing the long-term rentals. So people are able to stay in a long-term rental and they can't evict them. Change the laws, then people will go back to long-term rentals. Uh, yeah, I've heard this argument from landlords saying that the, the landlord rules have become so complex and unfair to landlords. I'd much rather go... Airbnb make my money that way. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, I still think those people are in the minority. But uh, yeah. again, the devil's in the details. We haven't seen all the regulations that are going to be attached to this legislation. There are going to be so many exemptions Ooh. in this. I mean, I've been talking to ministry officials. Like, where did this three month um, short term rental definition come from? Why is it three months? But that's, so that's the, def, the official government definition yeah. of a short-term rental is less than three months. Yeah. Okay. And I said, well, wait a minute. Come on. Um, what if you want to go stay to look after, say your daughter's just given birth and you want to help out? Oh. Uh, you want to stay for six weeks. And right. then you start giving some of the examples and I'm told, well, wait for the regulations. There's going to be some, some details here that are not obvious in the bill. I mean, all bills have, well, most bills have regulations. These are regulations set by cabinet, by the civil service, that accompany the legislation. They don't, aren't passed by the legislature. So I'm told there's going to be significant number of regulations in this bill. The other thing is the, the opposition voted in favor of this bill, yes. um, which is an important signal because uh, BC United voted in favor. Second reading, conservatives did not. Fine. But the, the official opposition voted in favor. They're going to be bringing in some amendments and it'll be interesting to see if the government accepts at least the spirit of the amendment and either adopts the opposition amendment or comes up with amendments of their own or explains that some of these amendments are taken care of in regulations. So, again, uh, medical needed visits. Uh, what about a business trip? What if you're in town for two yeah, months on I a business? Think, I think that's, uh, there's going to be a mechanism. And one mechanism I've heard is that perhaps you sign a lease as a, as a short-term rental. You, you sign a two-month lease. Oh. And that takes you out of the out of the definition of short term rental because you now have some legal requirements to sign in a lease. You're you're no longer a short term tenant. You're you're a tenant for a fixed period of time by a legal document. So I think that's one avenue where you're going to see some exemptions here. But the the, the it seems to me there's two two aims of this bill. One is to crack down on the three day partiers. Yeah. You know, three nights. <laughs> The other one is to free up as much property as possible for long-term rentals. I'm not sure how viable a 300-square-foot studio apartment is in terms of being a long-term rental or a long-term Oh, if you're a single person, you know. Oh, maybe. But, uh, again, the devil's going to be in the details. Uh, A lot of the, the, you know, proverbial uh, predicted horror stories 
may not actually be there once we see the see the well i wonder if the government's on the right side of public opinion on this one because just judging from the phone calls we got in the in the segment we did in the first hour of the show most of the callers seem to be supporting the government saying yeah you should crack down on this it's out of control general rule of thumb is the public is not necessarily on the side of landlords there are way more tenants than there are landlords uh in in any particular sitting i mean very there's so many renters out there i mean people listening to the show probably renters are probably 10 to 1 over homeowners there's so many renters out there so landlords you know we've had people call and say oh it's terrible i can't get rid of my bad tenant that's true that is a problem with in some situations but most tenants are not problems they're they're good people to have in there i wonder if some of these Airbnb operators will find a way around these rules. Like the government oh, has probably. been saying, oh, we're going to bring in inf- on a provincial enforcement team. Well, 30 well if I start listing this on Craigslist yeah. or something like that, are you going to be able to stop me? Exactly. I, I think there's going to be lots of loopholes or end runs around this, this bill. There are going to be people who find a way to still continue to rent on a short-term basis. I don't think uh, this, uh, this committee or this investigative unit, compliance unit, is going to necessarily keep up with the demand. The other thing... And, We've talked about this before. What does this do in a place like Vancouver where you can't get a hotel room for less than many hundreds a night, hundreds of dollars a night? It's just hotel rooms are just unviable. There's a shortage of hotels. There's a shortage of hotel rooms. Um, if you take if you take short term rentals out of the out of the picture, take Airbnbs, does that put even more pressure on hotels who will likely keep their prices high? And David Eben was asked about this, and I thought this comment was kind of flippant when he said, Well, hotels just have to build more hotel rooms. That's, oh. that's not an easy thing to, to do in Vancouver. You know, building anything has got its challenges and then adding hotel rooms. So this hasn't, this hasn't uh, answered the critical issue of hotel room space in Vancouver. Yeah. Might yeah. be a different situation in different municipalities. I mean, um, there's a lot of municipalities covered by this. Any municipality under 10,000 population is exempt along with 14 right. resorts, mostly ski resorts because yeah. of uh, just short-term rental requirements. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what impact this has on the hotel situation. Lots of calls here to Baldry's Beat. Gemma in Vancouver. Hi, Gemma. Go ahead. Oh, hi, Mike. Um, I really enjoy your show first off. I just want to say as a tenant that I think um, I live in Vancouver. I have for 30 years. I've seen the differences in real estate over those 30 years. And I just want to say, I think a lot of these realtors are buying up these Airbnbs as an investment, and it's a big money grab. I think people are doing it because it's easy, easy money, and landlords do have tools in their toolbox for if you don't pay rent or you destroy the property, they can kick you out. And I think a lot of these people making money off Airbnbs do not pay taxes on these Airbnbs, too. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know Well, there's all sorts of people who circumvent tax... Um, tax payments. <laughs> I think the CRA could crack that. Oh, they could. But I mean, there's all sorts of. I mean, the underground economy is well entrenched yeah. in so many areas in the, in society. So, but she makes a very good point. I mean, there are tools to get rid of bad tenants. It just sometimes can be a little harder than one. And again, I think that's a minority situation. So, I don't think there's a lot of public sympathy for people who get these condos and use them purely as investment money making vehicles, particularly when so many people out there cannot find a place to rent, you know, for, yeah. for, for a reasonable amount of money. That, that's where the public sentiment is at. Bruce on Salt Spring Island. Hi, Bruce. Go ahead. Hello there. Hi, go ahead. Am I on? Hello? Yeah, you are. Yeah. Um, uh, so we have a recreational 
piece of property on on Salt Spring Island. And uh, if I rent it out, one thing we can't use that place. Um, we've have rented it in the past. We've had uh, some pretty bad tenants in there. We've had somebody that actually lit a fire in 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 our bed in in the bedroom, and they said it was their right for because they were having a religious ceremony. Oh. I mean, it was it oh was God. just. Uh, um, wow. To try and get these people out was just crazy. So now, we was that was that a long term tenant or a short term rental? That was a long term tenant. Okay. We have had uh, an Airbnb, and uh, um, we uh, we contribute to the economy there. I mean, if you look at the garbage there, um, there nobody's cooking at our place. They are um, they're they're going to the restaurants. They're going. Uh, the bottles that are there are from the winery. The uh, you know the uh, are from the cider cider place. They go out and they contribute to the economy there. Um, the, you get a bad renter in there, you just can't get them out. It took months and months and months. And okay. uh, for the other thing is, I have this rental there because we have it's a recreational cottage. We're not able to use it if we rent it full time. Yeah. It, we just sort of subsidize a little bit. It pays for our mortgage and our taxes. And we um, and we're able to uh, to use the place. So okay, uh, that's where we are on that. Thank you, Bruce. Well, you can't. You know, look, I'm a landlord. I've got a rental suite in our our house. We've rented it to 22 people yeah. over the years. Never we've had one bad tenant. But again, we we always rent to a prescribed period of time, like eight months, yeah. and then they're out. Students, students, students typically, students. Are, yeah. Um, but you can sign a lease. You can come up with a lease with your tenant and say you're only, we're only renting it for seven months, and you leave. And that's that's you know that's that's enforceable. Uh, so I think there's a little uh, responsibility on the part of the landlord to take care of business on the front end. Robin in Chilliwack. Hi, Robin. Go ahead. Serious. Uh, I have a property that's a recreational property. Uh, where you can only stay six months a year. So, and it's within the Shushwap region where people all come to vacation. I'm not hearing anything about stuff like that where you can't stay longer than 180 days in your property. Yeah, so again, look for the regulations that come with this bill. There's going to be way more detail in the regulations than are, that are actually in the bill well, in terms of definitions, exemptions, um, different areas of the problem. Right, right now, 14 areas, including... Or Soyuz, for example, which isn't the shoe swap, but it's near there. Um, the interior, the the Kootenays, uh, much of the Kootenays is, is exempt. Well, uh, also ten thousand and under. Like 10, if you're under ten thousand population, yeah. this does not apply. It doesn't apply yeah. as well. So there's a many traditional vacations of areas of the province that are exempt yeah. from this rule. It's right. by and large mostly populated cities, um, urban areas and suburban areas and, and larger cities under 10,000 or seasonal are exempt. Okay. And like you said, devil in the details. So you wait for these regulations as they're known to come out. When do we anticipate getting a look at those? I think we're going to get those fairly soon. I think some right. of this information is going to come out in the committee stage of the bill, which is in it now in there. And that, so you'll see the BC United opposition will be asking some very detailed questions. And I expect them to get some detailed answers.